At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. For many years, many have asked the question, what if God was one of us? Through the incarnation of Jesus, God answered that question, and Jesus became one of us. Every year for centuries, Christians have celebrated the miracle of Jesus' birth. This Christmas season, we're diving into a new series, Emmanuel, God with us. Learning how the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. He came to save us, a broken and crooked world, a fallen people. Join us this Christmas as we explore the miracle of Jesus' incarnation and the impact it still has on us. Just to brag for a second, um, I actually came in second place in the chili cook-off, and I won 12, a 12-piece 12 set of measuring cups. Yes, yes, not to brag. I also placed second in the loser's bracket of the cornhole tournament, but we should have won. And actually, the sound person in the back, Joel, we were partners he was carrying us the whole time. But the thing is this, uh, what a great time. I know things just don't measure up at times, but uh, if anyone wants to borrow these, just let me know, shoot me a text. I'm willing to share what God has given me. So uh, here's the thing. <laughs> Let's get rid of these. I don't know what to do. Anyone play charades? Anyone? Okay, charades is a very divisive game, okay? Because you have the person who works really hard to make symbols and, and shapes and movements, and then you have the person that has no clue what it is, right? Do we have anyone like that in this room? You work hard, or maybe you're the person and you're like, you're, you're the worst actor in the world, and so no one has any clue what you're trying to say. But, but I know with my kids, my family, uh, charades usually ends up in a fight. Because someone, it's like, it's a bicycle. How do you not know what that is? Or it's a dog. And, and so you think about charades. You think about this. And, and, the, and the point of the game is you take the words out. Right? You can't even say a, a thing. You can't hum. It is no words allowed. And so you think about words and the power of words that we have. And, and we really hone in on words. We have people in here that are so obsessed with words, if someone's talking through the movie, you will stop and rewind so you hear the words. We got anyone in here who does that? And you're like, everyone be quiet. I need to hear the words. And you put up the subtitles. It's, you just missed a sentence. That happens when my father-in-law's in town. Okay, I have permission to our online audience. When he watches a movie, his wife, my mother-in-law, my, my wife, her sisters, they tend to go up a couple octaves, right? And so then I see him start to twitch. His mustache starts to grow. And uh, his head turns around 360. And he utters one word, dear. When he says that, everyone, oh, sorry, oops. And then the volume goes down. Because he wants to hear the words. And the thing is, we serve a God of words. We serve a God who's given us his word. 
And it shared words with us. Think about Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter of the Bible. And in the first 31 verses, 15 times he says something. So we have that first chapter and God is speaking. God is saying. And you see this throughout scripture. But in the beginning, man, he was sharing. He was having community with Adam and Eve. And he created them to hear him as well. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is in nature. He's created this beautiful planet and this beautiful world and the expanse of space. And who can say, when they look at nature, when they look at space, who can say with confidence that there is no God? Just look at the world and God speaks to us through his through his nature. And I was reading a commentary this week by Kent Hughes, and he called this his cosmic eloquence. You, you look at nature, and it's God's cosmic eloquence. Even David looked at the world and glorified God. Look at what he says in Psalm 19. He talks about the heavens declare your glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Through his very handiwork, through his very creation, he speaks about who he is, and we see and we experience God. And so he speaks eloquently through all that he has made, and I just think people are crazy if they don't look at the world and think of, that there's an intelligent designer, or look at a child being born and see an intelligent designer. Or look at the planets and, the, and, the, and just the world, the expanse that we still don't know. Or the ocean deep. But God did not only communicate through what he made. He also communicated through people. He also communicated whether to people through visions or audibly or through messengers, better yet known as prophets, who he sent to share words to people. And so, uh, again, whether audibly or visions or angelic messengers or, or, or prophets, he spoke to people, whether Noah or Abraham or Jacob or Moses, God started to promote and appoint prophets to share what he wanted to say and so i was looking in the bible and throughout the bible there are referenced 90 different prophets of god 90 different prophets that's just what we have in scripture there's so many more but we have referenced 90 prophets, people like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Habakkuk and Malachi, all these individuals, and they weren't just priests. These were kings. These were farmers. These were fig farmers. These were shepherds. Some of them were scholars. And God used them because they had the ability to receive his revelation and say, God says this. God says this. You need to hear this. And many of it's preserved in scripture. And, and so they were able to relay what God was saying, which revealed to us his character. This is who God is. 
And and so in the text today, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. So if you would like to turn to Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to learn a little more about God and his nature and Jesus as we've been studying through Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we're going to jump first into Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, and this is what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so this is revealing to us with the writer that he spoke specifically over thousands of years through individuals who are given revelation from God. So again, we got his cosmic eloquence, which is the creation of the world. And now we have his prophetic utterance. So now he sends people to share his message. And this is interesting because uh, some people have said they are prophets, <laughs> have claimed that they have received revelation from God or have the knowledge of what's going to happen. And they've actually used it for abuse. <laughs> they've used it to manipulate, to get power, to get money, to get fame or control. And so scripture speaks that we know if a prophet is true, if what they say actually comes to fruition. And I know some people, even in our church, we've experienced that. We've experienced that maybe in other churches, maybe an online pastor, and sometimes people have taken what is good and used it to abuse the body of Christ. But we see through the apostle Peter, the eloquence of God and what a prophet is, and he says this in 2 Peter 1.21. He says, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men that are moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So I can't just conjure up a prophecy. I can't just conjure up, oh, this is what God is telling me right now. That is an act that is from the Holy Spirit when he moves men and men and women are receptive to share that message. It's not human will. It's from God. And so again, we have this We have this cosmic eloquence, look at nature and see God. We have this prophetic utterance of these men that are sent to share God's message and occasionally visions and dreams and angelic messengers. And so I want to be the devil's advocate for a second. Is that enough? Is that enough? Nature and these messengers... Is that enough revelation for us to have? And what we see is that God had more for us. He sent Jesus above all to speak even more to the direct desires of his heart. Because remember, Jesus is God, the exact imprint of who he is. So not just the world or prophets, he sent his very self to us so that we can know exactly the heart of God. And so you think about, does a communication gap still exist? Does 
Can we see how God's heart really is? Yes, we can look because we have Jesus. And in this Christmas season, we can be encouraged that we will hear God's ultimate words because he gave us Christ. What does God do in this situation? What does he do in that moment? Does he love me? Look to Christ. Look to Jesus. Because it's, it's not this variation. They are one. And so we get to hear God's word, his ultimate word, and we see that through Christ. And so as we look closer, we see three ways that Jesus is the ultimate word of God. We get to see three ways of that. And the first one that I want to point out is this, that Jesus is God's creating word. He is God's creating word. Let me shape this out for you for a second. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews. This is what it says. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed as heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So, so what we see here is that there's an affirmation that Jesus is the creator of the world. And, and we see throughout scripture the affirming of him as the son of God and, and him as the giver of wisdom, wisdom that we find with maybe we're in school and, and finding the right friends or maybe we're thinking about career and future or maybe our marriage and it's just not built on the right foundation. How would Christ want us to build our marriage or our friendships or the, or the careers we're going to pursue now later in life, a career change, or, or maybe our retired years or golden years and how we can serve the Lord. And we see that we see in Christ the wisdom that he gives us and reveals to us. But what, I, what matters most is that the word of God affirms that Jesus is the son of God. Think about Mary. Mary was told in Luke 135, the child to be born, you will call him the son of God. Oh, what about Luke 422 when, when Jesus is being baptized? A voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son whom I am well pleased. What about in Acts chapter 13? The early church knew that Jesus was God's son based on the resurrection. It says this, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, he has fulfilled to us by raising Jesus. Also, as it was written in the second Psalm, you are my son today. I have begotten you. What about last week when we talked about John 1? In John 1, 2, it says that all things were made through him and without him was not anything made. What about Colossians 1, 16? All things were created by him and for him. This is affirming to us, Jesus is the creator. Jesus was the creator of the world. And he's not just creator, he's the ultimate word of God. He's the one we look to if we want to see God. My father-in-law, I'll go back to him, um, he sells tools. He sells fasteners. He owns his own supply company. And so one year he bought me a really nice Makita drill. Okay, so Makita, 
this is a nice drill, way too expensive for the things I need it for, which is like putting a picture on a wall, right? So I got a nice drill. People come to my house. Why do you have a Makita? I'm like, really? Like, you, you look like a craftsman person. I'm like, what does that mean? Okay, but the whole point, nothing against craftsmen, okay? But the whole point is this. I still broke it, okay? I broke the drill. I was drilled about this. Okay, now that was, that was screwed up. Okay, okay, okay. The whole point is this. The whole point is this. I broke the drill. And so, like a good pastor, pastors are fixers, right? I said, man, how hard could this be? So I went to the true wisdom of this world known YouTube, okay? And I tried to fix it. To no surprise of anyone in this room, I made it worse, okay? So then, pastors have church family, so I went to my church family and said, okay, who can help me? Who in the church knows anything about this stuff? And, and us as a church, we got a lot of handymen. So went to people, asked them, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Recently, I, I didn't know how to put a light bulb in my car. I had Andy Bradshaw help me with that. And, and so regardless, we tried to use the resources of our church family. And uh, no one knew how to do it because you have to be a specialist. So then I went to the next wise person, uh, a really wise place known as Home Depot, okay? So I went to the depot where everyone's an expert and um, nothing against the Home Depot either, okay? But I went to the Home Depot and they didn't know what to do. So at that point, I swallowed my pride and I called my father-in-law. And so I called him, hey, I, I broke the drill. He said, hey, just send it over, I'll get it fixed. And he had the brilliant idea of going to the manufacturer, right? I just never thought about it. Never thought about it one bit. And so he sent it to the manufacturer. They fixed it. They sent it back, right? Great story. The whole point is this. We all have appliances. We have our dishwashers and our washing machines and refrigerators and freezers, you name it. And when things go south or when we don't understand how to work it, then we should go probably to the manufacturer. We call them their helplines. This is how you work the touchscreen. This is how you fix this. This probably is this. We've had this issue before. And, and they can help you. But better yet, what if your father was the senior designer of your appliance that is broken? Let, let's just say that the person who designed the appliance that's broken actually lives in your home. So they're the senior designer. Oh, I know this. This is why this motor's out. This is why that's happening. That would make a world of a difference, right? Because they would know all the intricacies of that product because they're the very designer of it. And, and so we think about Christ. We think about our Savior. He's the very designer of us. And yet in the midst, sometimes, at moments, we forget that he is every bit God. And everything he did and how he lived and him being the ultimate word and the ultimate creator, he is the creator of you and me. And he didn't expect us to have all the answers he gave us the world. He gave us, gave us prophets and messengers and angelic beings. But then he gave us his very self to hold our hand. 
You didn't listen because of this. You didn't listen because of this. I'm going to send my very self to you to hold your hand, to be with you. He's the creator, the sustainer, the heir of all that is made, the ultimate word of God. And because of that, we know how to live this life. When times are tough, we know because we have the designer, the creator, the sustainer. And guess what? He wants a relationship with us, which is even more mind-boggling, which leads into our second point that we want to talk about, which is that we see in Jesus that he is God's revealing word. So he's not just the creator, he's also the revealing word. There's no clearer description of this than what we see in Hebrews 1.3. So let's jump into Hebrews 1.3 and it says how he is the revealing word. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I love that scripture, the radiance of of the glory of God, the exact imprint. There's no deviation with God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. There's not when they're not on the same page, right? There's not moments like, oh, Holy Spirit, you seem to be over there. Uh, Jesus, can you be the mediator between God and the Holy Spirit? No, they are completely in unison and unity, and together they are the radiance of God's glory. And we get to experience that here in this life. We get to experience that together. Look at the word glory. Glory, the actual Greek word for glory is this word doxa. And doxa is used mainly in reference to the visible presence of God amongst people. And you think about the visible presence of God among his people. Maybe it was when the, uh, the Israelites were going through the desert and the cloud was leading them and then the, 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 the fire was leading them at, at night. And maybe it was when Moses went up the top of the mountain, of Mount Sinai, and the glory of God was around that mountain. Uh, maybe it was King Solomon when he dedicated the temple and you saw the glory of God appear in the midst of those people, of the Israelites. We see this in Jesus being here because he's the exact imprint, the exact representation of his being. This clearly stands in contrast to being just in mere appearance. He's not just, hey, a good image. No, he is the exact representation. What could be better then God speaking directly to humanity by becoming human. Far better than telling us, again, through prophets and angels and nature, those things are good. But remember what it said in John 1.1, that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So if you want to know God, you must look to Jesus. And so think about it. What shapes us? What shapes our understanding of God? Is it, is it uh, documentaries? Is it bloggers? Is it, is it your pastor? Is it you know, another pastor that you watch or listen to on a podcast? Are, are those the ones that shape you? And, and this is something so important. Okay, And you hear this a lot, but, I, but I'll say it to the end of time. 
I will probably at some point say something that is somewhat inaccurate. <laughs> Sounds bad, right? Anyone have your pastor say that to you? I work really hard, really hard, and trust in God to be as accurate as I possibly can. Some of you have read some amazing Christian books, right? Got some good Christian books out there? Ooh, ooh, okay. Yes? No? Okay. Those authors won't be perfect. They won't be perfect. They won't be completely infallible. Your worship songs, we sing and praise God. Our team was awesome today. We found out Justin was sick this week. This team rocked it today, made some adjustments. Praise God. Yes. Don't clap for them. They're not perfect either. I'm sorry, guys. I, I didn't want you to see that side of me, okay? The whole point is this. We ain't perfect. But the word is. This is. You want truth? Look to his word. You want to assess the sermon? Look to his word. Hey, I need some clarification, pastor. I, you said this, but, I, but I'm reading this in Philippians, or I'm reading this in Revelation. Bring, bring it. Maybe I did say something. Now, the beauty of the church is we have elders and leaders, and we work together and, and make sure we're as accurate as possible. But, but again, the reality is nothing is more accurate than God's own word, than the red letters of Jesus, too. <laughs> nothing. So if you want the undefiled truth, open your Bible. Open your word. Spend time in the word. Uh, my wife recently went to Texas and she took my little Charlie with her. She said, I said, why are you taking Charlie? I don't trust you with her. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So I got Hannah and Milo. I guess she trusts me with them. So, so she went to Texas. She went to be with her grandparents. And she went to be with her sisters and uh, her cousins, her aunts. Amazing trip. She's getting back tonight. And so, you know, I got my list that I need to get done. Right? I'm like, I need this house looking good. Laundry put away. Living room in order. All of it. And so I'm making sure, hey, did I do everything? So she comes back, I get some brownie points. And um, one thing that we joke about in the house is sometimes I'll leave my shoes out or a coat out. And she's like, oh, did you notice your shoes? And I'm like, oh, no. You know, and so we'll, we'll laugh about it. And so it'll be mainly shoes and coats. Those are my main things. But usually I jaw back at her because she usually leaves her Bible out. And so it sounds very spiritual, right? I'm like, you left your Bible in the living room. And so then we laugh about it and we joke. And she's like, I see what you're doing there. Um, but I woke up the other day. And again, she's in Texas. And I saw her Bible in between the couch, uh, the two couches on the end table. And one of my favorite things is when I wake up in the morning, she has her Bible and her journal right there. Because my wife loves to wake up early and spend time with Jesus. That's her time before the kids wake up. And I can say this because she's in Texas. Okay, if she was here, she'd be mad. But the whole point is this. That is her time that she gets in the word. And so when I wake up, I know I've already been prayed for. The kids have been prayed for. And she's ready to attack the day. She's had time with Jesus. But if I wake up in the morning... <laughs> It takes me about two hours just to wake up. <laughs> I love spending time with Jesus at night. I'm a night owl. I spend time in the morning, but I don't even remember where I am, okay? 
The thing is, we got people in our church wake up at 3 a.m. to spend time with the Lord. You guys are much more spiritual than me and crazy. But the whole point is this. We have our moments that we want and set up to be with the Father. We open up the Word. Some of us, we can do it in between work on a break. Some of us, we do it on our drive or we do it at night. We find that time that's optimal for us to be with the Father. Some of us, we spend time in the morning and night and the day. And the whole point is do it. <laughs> Make it a priority to spend time in God's word because this is more accurate than I'll ever be. And any pastor will ever be. Every, any blogger will ever be. This won't fail you. It's God's holy, inspired word. So again, he's not just God's revealing word. He, he's also the very word himself. Listen to what it says in John 4, 7. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Jesus at times is cryptic. Even at times, he's like, hey, don't tell anyone what you saw. Don't tell anyone. we got to keep this secret. He's about as straightforward as you can be on this one. I mean, from now on, you do know him because you've seen him. Jesus is saying he's God. He's telling his disciples, you know him, you know the Father, because you've seen him, you've been with him, because I am him. He's declaring that he is God. And God didn't just come here to create a religious institution, another religious, he didn't come here to get billions of people just to follow him he came to have a relationship with us to know you to really know you not that you just know a bunch of stuff about him but you have a relationship with him you talk to him you engage with him you get to know him he wants to know you at a different level than maybe you're even Willing to be open to. Now, we know God knows everything, so he already knows you in that way. But he wants to work that, through that with you. He came so that we can know and relate to God. And his coming invited all to believe in him and find life in him. Which leads me to my, my final point of this, of this message, which is Jesus is God's saving word. So he's not just his creating word. He is not just his revealing word. He is his saving word. He pivots here. Look at what he says in verse 4 and verse 3. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. What we see here is he went from the things he did, the things he created, the things he said, to now why he came ultimately to save, to purify. Throughout history, the problem with rightly hearing God speak 
was not with God, but with us. I'll say that again. The problem with rightly hearing God speak was not with God, but with us. Because sin separated us from God. Sin drove Adam and Eve out of the garden where God would spend time with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. But sin kept people from physically approaching God, which is why God had to create a sacrificial system where we would sacrifice animals in the place for our sinful lives. So he created that, but guess what? People kept sinning. So you have this system, but it kept requiring purification and sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews turns again from what Jesus, who Jesus is to what he has done. And so he made purification by offering himself on a cross. And there's no repetition needed from this act. It's once and for all. And I, and I want to say it this way so we understand that Jesus is God's unrepeatable, sacrificial provision. It doesn't need to happen again. It doesn't need to keep repeating over and over. It is once and for all to provide uh, that we would be purified from our contaminated and ruined condition. That's what he did for, for us. No one is more innocent than God. No one is more right and good and perfect. No one is more deserving to not die. But that's why exactly he had to do it. Because he could be the perfect sacrifice. And having accepted this satisfying sacrifice, Jesus was raised on that third day to validate what he's done in his identity. And he showed himself to hundreds of eyewitnesses. It wasn't just him and no one ever saw it. No, hundreds of people witnessed Jesus being alive after his death. And then he commissioned, he commissioned his disciples to go, to go into the world, to tell the world what he's done. And then he ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father on high. There he remains, interceding between God and us. So we talk about words. Talk about communication. And I know we got some great communicators in this room. I know we have some people that understand the power of words. But when you share something or, or when someone shares something with you, the other person has to listen. It's one thing to say. It's one thing to understand. It's a whole other thing to listen and act. So my question is, Based on this truth, will we listen? Will we act upon what God has given us? Will we turn away from our chaotic commotion that, that the world shouts at us, the chase we have? Will we turn away from the false narratives that, that the enemy and the world have put in our minds that you, you will never measure up? You'll never be good enough. You'll never be spiritual enough. You'll never be perfect enough. You'll never be holy enough. Look at what you did in the past. Look at what you did last week. Look at what you did earlier in your life. 
And he shames you. The the enemy shames you. The enemy will try to plant those thoughts and take away your joy. But the power of the gospel is sin is forgiven. That you are good enough. That your sins are covered. That his grace is sufficient. That the cost of the blood was much. But the check cleared. <laughs> he covered the bill. As hefty as it was, he covered it. And because of it, we can go to God with confidence. We can go to God with confidence, as it says in Hebrews 10:19. We can enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus because of what he's done. So let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean. Yeah, I feel that way. (laughs) We can draw near with a full assurance. Guess what? There's nothing that we can do. We are saved by grace through faith. We can go before him with confidence Because of the cross, and we can experience a close personal relationship with God because he created us to have that and to enjoy that. And it's our job to open our hearts to him, to welcome his cleansing and experience the joy that he offers. And some of us, we've been coming here, we've been attending, maybe we've attended other churches, and we just have not made that decision. Do not wait. Do not wait. His arms are open. He's always ready. Some of us, we've been following Christ, but we are just crippled with guilt and shame. We just feel guilty. We feel shameful. When we go to God, confidence is not the word we say. We feel ugly. We feel pitiful. We feel dirty. Allow God to cleanse you. You can't do it on your own. Even as Even as David said, create in me a clean heart. God, can you create that in me? God, can you change me? As we say often, it's not just an attend more, give more, be around more, serve more mentality. Allow him to transform you from the inside out. Because if I got to figure it out, it's going to turn into my Makita drill, right? (laughs) That's the truth. It can't. Be fixed by me. It's got to go to the creator, the sustainer, the senior designer. It's got to go to him. I uh, lived in Haiti for a summer in 2009, and I worked down there with Living Water Mission. And 2009 was uh, about the time when the iPhone, iWorld started coming out. And so we didn't have the high-speed internets. We didn't have... Uh, much internet access at all down there. I didn't even have a smartphone. So I got some disposable cameras and took them down there. So I was taking pictures and, and I couldn't develop them until I, and, until I got home. And so I would, uh, when I had an opportunity, email my family and try to describe what I was experiencing. Like, oh, this is amazing. This happened, this happened. But it was just like a snapshot of all that was happening in that time. 
And I just remember just being like, I cannot wait to get home and, and tell my family just all that God's been doing in the country of Haiti in, in Living Water Mission, even in my own life. And, and I just would once every couple of weeks be able to message them, and that's all I could give. So I remember when I flew back, and I flew into St. Louis, got my car, drove 10 hours back to Michigan, and just the stories started flooding in. Like, this happened, and that happened. Then I developed the pictures. Look, this is what I was talking about. This is what I was saying. This was where I lived. This is the church that we worked at. And, and it was just such a great time to be able to celebrate how God was moving. I think about that with us and God. How we have an opportunity if we have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. We have an opportunity to be with him for eternity. And right now, in the separation we have, there'll be a day there'll be no separation. And I feel like that with God and even God to us, that one day we will be able to share with him in his glory. Because right now is just a glimpse. Right now it's ambiguous. It's limited. And right now we have what Jesus has revealed to us by God. But one day we will be with him and there will be no separation at all. We won't have to show them our picture book and share stories. We will be in the presence of our maker. What a beautiful thing. And some of us, we've not received that yet. We've not made that decision yet. And some of us, we're just crippled with shame and guilt. We know we've given our life to Christ, but we're just hurting. We're just in pain. This morning, we're going to have our prayer team come up and they're going to be available to you. If you're ready to make that decision this morning, if you're ready to repent of maybe some sins in your life, maybe just turn your life around, maybe this is the time you're like, this is my line in the sand. I'm ready, God. I'm ready to go all in. I don't just want to be a fan of you. I want to be a follower of you. I want to be a disciple of you. I want my family to know you and to know that we choose to make you not just Savior, but Lord of our lives. Today is going to be that day. Don't wait for tomorrow with what needs to happen today. But just like words and communication, will you listen? Father, I want to pray right now. I know you long to be with us as we long to be with you. Thank you for the glimpses that you've given us. Most importantly, thank you for Jesus. There's no greater word from you than Jesus, the creator, the sustainer, the perfect revealer, the savior of all who we trust. Thank you for sending Jesus so we can be together with you. Father, I pray that this is the day we embrace you with all we have by committing our lives to knowing, to following, and enjoying the ultimate word of you. So no matter where we are in our faith, Father, let this be a moment that we can joyfully turn deeper to you and create a posture that is more surrendered than it's ever been. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. 
thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.